Destroy. Hello and welcome to Whom Pods Destroy. I'm joined by my two cosmic companions, Graham Sibley. Hello. And Terry DeFellum. Hello. Thank you for joining us again. This time we are going back to proper classic Star Trek. Recently we went through the movie of Star Trek and now we're going back to the original series of Star Trek and we're going to have a discussion on a, a sort of an interesting episode which has a lot of Star Trek mythos. We have, we're introduced to two major concepts and we also have a little bit of a discussion about sort of the sort of sexual mores of the time and mm. how it relates to the times at the moment as well, which is quite interesting. So we start off with the, uh, the, the episode is Metamorphosis and we join the opening sequence where we have the trio, the classic trio of Kirk, Spock and McCoy, who are ferrying the assistant commissioner, Nancy Hedford, to the Enterprise, who's to be treated for a disease that she has. Um, but she also, she, at the same time, she's supposed to be uh, negotiating a, a peace between two, two war infections. Uh, I can't remember who they are at the moment, but that's only that's the background to the story. And it's a, I find it quite an interesting episode because... It's a classic story of its time, 1967. Um, it, funny enough, is the year of my birth, and today's my birthday. Aww. Aww. You know, so... Um, but also, this is a story about love. It is and, a story about love. You know, and... Um, Not love. No, no. love. Love. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is different. You know. But uh, I, I should really sort of, uh, after my rambling explanation of this, <laughs> I, I should bring in the two guys who, who obviously watched, uh, watched it and we can compare and const contrast what we've actually got out of it. So, guys, what was your first opinion? Graham? This is a, a very much a typical Star Trek episode, very much a typical TOS episode, but atypical as well because it, um, Kirk isn't on the Enterprise at all in this episode. First time that actually happens. You can look at the story being told here and say, man alive, that's stuck in the 60s, isn't it? Or else you can think, were they trying to go somewhere else on this? I, I've, I've watched this in the past and just enjoyed it for what it is. But now I look back on it, I probably haven't seen this in over 20 years. And look back on it now, uh, especially in, in the way that, that, that times have changed. And you sort of think, what were, what were they trying to say here? What, what were they trying to do? And, and I can't even fathom it now, actually. I think, I think this was, this was Gene Kuhn trying to go new wave. And he ah. didn't really understand what he was meant to do with it. And so he comes up with this idea and, and yeah, he sort of takes it in a way that probably sit, sat quite well with 60s audiences. Um, but, I don't know now. I don't know what, what modern viewers seeing this for the first time. If, if this was the first episode of Star Trek you ever saw, the first episode of the original series, I don't know what you'd make of it. I think that it's it, there's a lot of recent discourse about gender, uh, and particularly in relations to transgender. Uh, and it, it's, it's a massive topic these days. And I think that that's recontextualised this episode quite a lot 
in recent years. I think when I first watched it, I thought that this was an earnest attempt to to discuss uh, and to legitimise notions and different notions and ideas of sexuality, um, but shrouding it in a in a sort of like an, in, a, in a love and romance story. Um, and I think that it was a fairly honest attempt to do that, and it probably still is because it's a, it's a, it's a nineteen sixties attempt. But but it, but it's it's peculiar some of the conclusions that they draw about the nature of existence in this in this, which we we, we to be fair we're still thinking about and talking about now, and particularly the nature of gender and what gender is. I think it's significant that they say, well, you know, it's a universal constant that that, that there are is a male and a female that happens across which is Sunday school stuff really to be honest with you you'd expect that in a religious education you wouldn't necessarily whereas you know modern Star Trek <laughs> has all manner of different genders uh, you know in, in in their in their in their stories now but but this story tells the story about a man and a woman or, or, or are they a man and a woman and I, I think Graham's notion that this is an attempt to tell a new wave story about you know, di- about different ideas of different constructions of love and physical love and, mm. and spiritual love, you know, and, and relationships. Uh, uh, but but then uh, it, it's had this massive, like, primetime TV st- studio filter added to it. Yeah. <laughs> and they all go off happily ever after like a married couple, uh, as, as things should be in their idea about how the world is. And so in that respect, it's an incredibly conservative episode dressed up as a, as as a as as a, a progressive story about love i think the point you raised there about the religious overtones in this you don't get that a lot in in in, in star trek i mean gene roddenberry was was deliberately against it but then you've you've got this episode where you know she even refers to oh that would be for the maker of all things which is a clear reference to mm-hmm. god there mm. but there, there's also other things like little things like uh, maybe i'll plant a fig tree or something like that but referring to this as a, as an eden there, there's all these constant things that are going on there echoes of the cage i, I guess you've got you've got here as well but yeah, the, this this whole thing about the fact that this energy being has to be either male or female, you know, pfft, you know that's 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 what we got. When there's obviously, I mean, look, yeah, really, where's its badge? Come on, like, <laughs> this energy thing has a minge end, is it? Come on, out with it. <laughs> if you want to get down to basics, why is it male and female? Come on, it's an energy blob. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that idea of a, I mean, and assigning a. a um, uh, genitalia and bodily parts to gender as, as well is it, 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 it and that's something that that is not addressed and of course it's a it's a massive massive discussion point in in contemporary society when we when we discuss matters about transgender and, and, and all of that and what and what is gender and how does it work and there's just no way that an episode of the scope of the, of, a, of a of a network TV show from 1967 is going to be able to satisfactorily <laughs> no, address those issues. These are the, the, not that these were not contemporary issues in the 1960s; they most certainly were. Um, but they were certainly, you know, you know, network TV was not the forum with which these issues were being discussed, um, and 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 it shows. But. Then again, you do get that that wonderful scene in there where 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 Cochrane realizes the nature of the relationship that he that he has, and he gets and he and he loses it over it. He really gets yeah. quite angry about it, and 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 the reaction of of Spock and Kirk is wonderful. Why would you be so angry about it? And, and because his reaction almost is he's like, 
like when he fight, he's angry that he finds out that it's female. I looked at it and I thought, right, if I was watching this for the first time, would I assume that that, that Cochrane's gay? Would that mean that that he that he doesn't like the idea of 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 a relationship with a fem with a female? And so, if you've assigned female to to this, is that because you you somehow see or have issue with his sexuality? And then what he goes on to about his ideals about being out of step or being sort of conservative, while Spock thinks, well, that's a really parochial um, reaction to to that sort of thing. So, I, I wonder if that was like an underhand sort of. Um, look at, at the at, say at trying to, to to say about homosexuality, perhaps. Definitely, I there. think homosexuality would have been one of the things. But we, yeah. you forgot something that was is very obvious: different races. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 of course. Know, yeah, yeah. All, all these we sort of things. We haven't yeah. forgotten. Yeah. That. We just yeah. haven't got to it. We haven't <laughs> got to it. No, because the thing is, is that the the the, the, the spot coming back. And obviously, if someone who is of of mixed heritage himself, mm. and you know, saying this this parochial do- dude that yeah. you know sort of like has got these so, such backwards sort of ideas, yeah. you know, I'm a product of you know of mixing of two races, you know. Mm. During and, that during that scene, there's this little cutaway with Kirk who's staring, he's sitting at the table and he's staring downwards, thinking this through, and 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 he's looking, he's looking preoccupied and disgruntled. Probably because he's, and I think the director is trying to, you know, convey the the pressure that he's under, mm. you know, and the difficulties that he's facing, and how he, you know, he's now saying having to tolerate this this really old guy with his really old values, while at the same time trying to figure out a way of rescuing his crew. But there's a part of me that I'm my own in my own head canon. He's sitting there and he's contemplating his relationship with Spock. <laughs> I think we were all thinking that actually, to be honest, because it think was it's really that, nice. <laughs> Because the, the the characters are very interesting. Of these, the, the, you know, of it's a similar it's a similar relationship. Spock and Kirk and and mm. the companion and Cochrane is this 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 idea of you know Spock is a, is is a, is of another species, and then there's clear love between the two of them. I mean, we can debate debate to what extent it's physical love, <laughs> but there's also a sense of protection and and, and and that they look after each other and they look out look out for each other. This is a deep friendship. And Cochrane clearly feels that that's what this is with the companion. That there's this mutual, you know, dependency. The fact that they look out for each other and it's based upon upon friendship and kindness, and that love isn't there. And and it's odd, yeah, that he's confronted with the idea of other love, mm. non traditional. And yeah, you're 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 kind of looking at him, thinking your idea of love is, you know, an attractive, skinny, white. Female, <laughs> yeah. and 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 so it proved to or, be, or, or maybe well, or, or maybe a male. You know, I mean, as you said, I mean, yeah. we do think that. But I, I mean, think that he had 150 years there by himself. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I yeah, tell you, man, if you, you a, a, a man, food for, 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 for a hungry man, you all are, <laughs> <laughs> all of you. All of you. I mean that. I mean that in every conceivable. Sense. Even yeah. you with the pointy ears. Especially yes, you with the pointy ears. <laughs> just running out of toilet paper, um, and and uh, I, I think. Um, I think that the progressive side of thing is in is in is comes from Spock and, and McCoy and and, 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 and and to an extent Kirk, where they they the subtext of what they're trying to say to Cochrane is is that, that all love is great. And the subtext of what they're trying to say, you know, through the network census is to say all love is great. Okay, love between all people is great. Okay, and it's all cool and we should be cool with it. Um and and I think that that's I think that that's where the episode gets its reputation for being a progressive story. 
but in, in, in many, many meaningful ways, it, it, it really isn't. <laughs> well, I mean, the dialogue, obviously, when we're first introduced to Cochrane, is is a bit of a a bit of a laugh out moment, you know. So, you know, him going, "Hello, hello, are you real?" You know, I mean, wonderful shot though, wonderful is, shot for yes. a studio shot. Yes, to, for him to, to 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 sell that idea that he's miles away works better in the in the updated version because um, they they give him a full sky. To, as, yeah. as the backdrop, the rather than, than beforehand when he had it was looked almost like he was in a cave to hide the fact that that they'd used a fisheye to to yes because they did they used a fisheye they used a wide angle lens to, yeah. to to make him look like he was far away and yeah, yeah it, it's a clever piece of photography yeah yeah it's a very I mean it's very it's very well directed episodes beautifully filmed considering that it's all done on a soundstage it's 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 really really lovely piece of work. No, but it is, yeah, you're right. It, it does look lovely. You know, it does look typical Star Trek. And as you said, sort of one soundstage and you've got the way the, fo- the story unfolds. It's, it's nice. wonderfully paced. It's paced. It, That's yeah, it's, it's, it's paced beautifully. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it's, everything's there. I mean, you know, in, in, in the cutbacks are seeing the little bits and pieces where Spock goes off by himself. And, yeah. you know, and, and, and the reveal of of Cochrane who he is it also is mm. quite interesting even though it does start off when you think uh, was it McCoy and um, Kirk are quite suspicious of something happening yeah. you know the pacing of this reveal is really good I find anyway yeah you know. all the characters get a nice bit of space around yeah. around them they get some nice dialogue there's some nice dialogue between the 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 secondary characters as well in this which which is nice when when it finally cuts over to to the enterprise which is over halfway through it isn't it really? 27 minutes 27 minutes yeah, yeah wow well, yeah. Uh, yeah which is a long time to go without the enterprise yeah in a star trek episode and yeah we get some nice we get some we get scotty and uhura yeah. with lines and it's great. Yeah. That's, I mean, you know, they're, they're not particularly special lines, but they are. There's a certain. They don't seem to be too worried about the fact. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, going, it's a big galaxy, Mrs. It's like, that's a bit of a throwaway remark, given yeah. the circumstances. <laughs> but, but whatever. <laughs> they'll come back. They always yeah, do. They always come back. Yeah. It's yeah, when, they're, when their dinner's ready. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. We haven't found debris. There's no, there's no debris. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's fine. They'll be, they'll, they'll be out there somewhere when we find them because we almost, all, almost always do. So guys, let's let's talk about the introduction of Zephyrin Cochran to the Star Trek universe. I didn't really I mean I'd seen this episode probably long, 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 long time ago, and this is the first I've seen it for probably about thirty years. Yeah. And in modern Star Trek, we we, we were introduced to him in one of Terry's favourite films, First Contact. <laughs> um, and also mentioned in the TNG as well. You know, uh, he was mentioned uh, once in there in one episode, which is a Geordie LaForge episode, um, in a, in a sort of like as as being a really important part of of the Star Trek universe. Um, the developer of the the you know the, the warp engine, mm. as we found out in First Contact, and also um, we had it also in uh, Enterprise. Yes, because he turns up in Enterprise as well very briefly. Yeah, even though my favourite bit of him turned up was in the. Um, the time we saw him in the uh, Mirror Universe episode of Enterprise, where he just shoots a vo- he, he shoots, shoots the Vulcans, Vulcans. yeah, <laughs> he shoots the Vulcans and they loot the Vulcan ship, yeah, you know, and that's the that's the turning point in the Mirror Universe, yeah, yeah. that's a nice because they even use they they use a shot for shot, they been, and they use footage from First Contact and they use the same music and and then suddenly you know instead of him getting his holding out his hand, he gets out a shotgun. It's very good. But you you were saying before we actually did this episode that 
problem there. There was a there was an interesting um, sequel that was written um, by good Judith and Garfield Reeve Stevens called Federation, in which they continued the Cochrane story. I just explained a bit about his background, um, and then also then spooled forward and did a direct sequel to Metamorphosis. Uh, and yeah, of course, but oh, that was obviously superseded by all the stuff that happened in in First Contact, which is a uh, yeah, I mean, like, it, uh, despite what you say, it's, it's not my favourite next-gen film. And uh, and there's some... But although it's a, a, a massively watchable film and James Cobble is brilliant in it and Cochrane is great and it's a great character. Far more interesting and, I think, engaging than 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 the, the character of Cochrane in this one, who I find a little bit, not just because of his old-fashioned v- Southern values, but, but but I find a little bit wooden, even though he's an actor of some standing. But, uh, you know, I find you... I found the character a little bit wooden. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I I thought that you you're right. He he was a bog standard actor in this, and it was he, he played a good, you know, he 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 served his purposes in this, even with his wokey thing about running a bar for for the uh, <laughs> direct assistant commi- assistant federation commissioner. commissioner. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she was actually a, an actress of 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 fairly well note at the time because she appeared in quite a few TV series of that were very popular. Eleanor Donoghue. Yeah, and um, and funny enough, while while this was being done, they had to do a lot of reshoots, and she got pneumonia halfway through, and so she actually got quite ill. Yeah, she lost a lot of weight in it as well. So and and she had to come back. Well, it was actually after they finished filming, but they they lost a, a bit of footage. Uh, some of the negatives got damaged, so they had to call her back in to reshoot a few scenes. Uh, but this was after she was she had her illness and she'd lost about ten pounds and so um and that and and she looked clearly different on on some of the shots so mm-hmm. and they they made her wear a, a headscarf or um for for some of them well, the, and the glorious thing about the headscarf of course is the scene oh yeah, yeah, where, yeah, yeah at yeah. the end where she's holding it aloft yeah. and looking at them as though she's looking uh, imagining what she, what it looked like when she was the companion and the, the, and that shot was complete by accident. Solensky, the director, just looked, saw that scarf and then, oh, that looks like yeah. how we're doing the companion. Why don't I just do that little? You know, and 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 she and they included that. And it's a it's a lovely moment, yeah. and it is one of the moments that elevates this this mm. episode and, and makes it a, a better episode. But I'm afraid, in general, I think that, that Nancy Hedford as a character is not is, is doesn't is not treated very well. Yeah. I don't I don't think that she's written very well. It's tedious whenever they have female characters who, are, who, are, who are you in Star Trek who are usually sort of like you know charmless shrews who are just like constantly outraged at everything rather than just simply being successful women. <laughs> you, you, know? you you can sort of see it somewhere in this in the fact that she might be in the grip of some kind of delirium <clears throat> because she, yeah, she's yeah. got some she's got this awful illness that he's killing her. Yeah, um, true, but. Male characters, when they're in, when, when they're when they're suffering from 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 oh, yeah, terrible yeah, diseases, yeah. tend to have a lot more poison dignity, <laughs> yes. in my experience. And female characters tend to just become hysterical. Yes. Um. And 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 I mean, I think that that was that was the case with this. There's a when there's one scene, and I can't remember what they were talking about. But again, it's in Cochrane's house, and at one point, Cochrane moves around, and so the so the three all four guys are standing. And Nancy is ill, sitting in her chair, you know. And at one point, all the guys are standing, and Cockle walks around and stands in between Kirk and Spock, I think, and faces them. And at one point, they've all got their back turned towards again, towards Nancy Hedford. And, and she's her. just sitting there, and they're just completely ignoring her. They're com- and she is literally the most important person in the room. She's the one who's, and she's the one who's who's supposed to be saving lives, you know, by 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 stopping a war. And meanwhile, the guys are sitting there talking about, you know, 
yeah. how they're going to kill the companion. But, and it, it's, it's it, or, or internalizing their own anxieties while she sits there and is ignored. It's pretty shit, to be honest with you. Well, yeah. I mean, like, they, they may call her um, Assistant Federation commission, but, Commissioner, but uh, she's really like, Assistant Mac- MacGuffin in, 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 this, yeah. in this episode. That's all she is. It, it, it comes to this when you know she conveniently dies at the end and then gets 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 um, occupied by by the companion and, and the companion sort of say yeah yeah she was dead when I found her. Um, <laughs> well, I found this body and she was dying anyway, so you know it, it was fine. Oh no, we're, we're, we're part of, part of her still here, yeah. and it's like okay, <laughs> I think yeah. No. Well, well, this gets us out of a bind, doesn't it? <laughs> Uh, what about the war? Oh, yeah, that. Oh, there's, oh, that line is just atrocious. It's like, <laughs> oh, I'll probably find some woman to stop that war. What are you talking? Is that what women do now in the 23rd century? <laughs> Washing, ironing, stop measuring war. up, shopping, stopping wars. That's, yeah. that's blimey. There's, there's, there, is there any limit to what a woman can do? Extraordinary. Yeah, that, that aspect of the episode, I think, is, is really regressive. Yeah, um, and I mean, it does counteract some of the more progressive elements of this. Story. It did start off okay on on the first sequence before the uh, you know the intro titles, um, where there's a, there's the antagonism that she's actually shown, obviously being ill and not being you know saying, you know the Starfleet, yeah, <laughs> you know which I thought was actually quite interesting if they continued that because she's Federation, the uh, Starfleet, mm. and I thought that that would have been quite interesting. But you know it, it all dissipates very quickly a, a nice little idea um you know and yeah you're, you're right she has she was sorely used and basically she was just hijacked at the end you know by this entity i thought that that was actually a, obviously watching star uh, star trek and other science fiction things the idea about being taken over by another entity i've always found and i found that to be a bit queamish uh, squeamish sorry you know i thought it a bit strange because Possession. Possession, yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, and it's easy to say, oh, well, she was dying anyway, but it's sort of, you know, I mean, that we've, we've kind of heard things like that before. I'm not really sure that washes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, she wouldn't have died if the companion hadn't taken her off the, yeah. the, the, uh, from the rendezvous. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, so the companion, you know, basic kidnaps, she willingly allows Hedford to die and then takes her body when she's dead and then she goes off. Um, and 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 takes go off with Cochrane. Yeah, none makes, of which is cool. <laughs> none of which is cool. Uh, she makes a considerable sacrifice in the meantime. Of course, she sacrifices her immortality. They both do. They both do. But are not certain that in the cosmic scales that really balances things up. Yeah. And, and and another thing as well is that okay. Well, now nothing. If you if you've given up all your magic powers now to 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 become human, uh, how are you going to stay on this planet? Because this planet only exists because you had all your magic powers. Well, it wasn't so, even a planet; it was a planet at all. Yeah, yeah it exactly. It's an asteroid, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. An asteroid. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, that sort of stuff I'm willing to let go <laughs> for the sake of the narrative. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, what we're, this is a, supposed to be. This is a love story, uh, and, love. and and and, and like a love story, and and love and will find a way. We can, yeah, we can acknowledge that there's a degree of fairy tale, you know, about about it and fantasy about it, and and as like all good love stories should be, love stories should be, um, and so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm willing to, just as I'm willing to accept that, you know. It's like, why on earth are Kirk, Spock and Bones on a shuttlecraft going to pick up in the first place? Why didn't they just send, you know, a shuttlecraft pilot? Ah, well, these I, are, I, I assume, are, these I are assume like, that, they're, that, they're, that, they're, that they're on the planet trying to sort out the, uh, the, um, the, the peace talks as well. 
Oh, okay. So, so, that's, right. that's, so, so, so the, the Enterprise has gone off to do to do to do, do something regret. else. Well, well, you know, they, well, they're the down three there. senior officers go yeah. down there sorting yeah. out in a war zone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel moderately better about yeah. about it after that. Yeah. yeah. But these are, I mean, these are the sound of things that like granular Trekkies will sort of look at and say, well, you know, why didn't the Enterprise just go off? <laughs> why didn't they just beat them up? Why didn't? They? Because I mean, it's like, well, you know, we can't tell a story. We can't it? tell the story without yeah. it, and so therefore that's mm-hmm. fine. It's like my missus. My missus would never. My, Whenever we used to watch, went through a period of rewatching DS9, she would uh, there and there would always be that you know, often be a scene in the runabout where two characters were gone their way back from a mission, the previous mission, and then you know they'd be having a chat and then something would go wrong or something's wrong and then Zoe would go, yeah, of course something's wrong. That's why all the cameras are there. It's like that's, <laughs> that's how this that's how this works and it's, yeah. it's all good stuff. Yeah. So I just wanted to bring up one other thing is that this was the introduction of the universal translator wasn't it is this the first time or is it i think it might be it's the first time it's ever referred to i mean there is um yeah yeah certainly yeah i think it must be i mean i think that it's been retconned into Mm -hmm. the beginning of, of of time obviously it's been retconned all the way back to discovery if not and in fact it was retconned in to Enterprise, wasn't it? What am I saying? Because yeah. Hoshi yeah. sort of like developed it. But yeah, it's the first time it's referred to. It's rather funky as well. I quite like yes, it. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminds me that it's a, it's a lot better than the, than, than, the, uh, than the heartbeat remover that they had in, uh, in, in, in Court Martin, <laughs> which is a microphone. <laughs> I mean, oh, at least yes. they put a little bit more effort into <laughs> yeah, it. Yes. Well, it's a sonic screwdriver, really. <laughs> it, looks, it could look a bit like a, a, yeah. a sonic screwdriver. I but, mean, it was, a, it was a cool device, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, you're right. It was better than that heart, you know, that, that microphone. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I I think this 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 is another reason why I think it, it's it's remembered well. I think is because it, it's another world building episode, and mm-hmm. and of course it it's been referred back to so many times in so many other things in Star Trek, especially fan culture as well, because the character of, of Cochrane appears everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, the Universal Translator is always nice and and used and and used in in funky ways. Um, even in the episode, uh, I suppose probably the most famous one is uh, Darmok, I suppose, isn't it? Where the, yes, the, where, where it, where it, it doesn't, doesn't work. really work properly. Yeah, yeah, um, man, alive. What an episode that is. No. Yeah, yeah. You know, I also find it quite interesting because even though the the, the lady of the um, episode is treated so so badly, you know, this is um, a, a story about love. Indeed, Again. physical learning. You know, and we have like a bit from Kirk where he goes into one of his, launches into one of his speeches and, you know, and I'm sure that sort of fan culture probably knows it backwards, forwards, all over the place. And Some stirring music in the background. And, and yeah. the music is lovely as George well. George Dooning, yeah. You know. It's his first gig as a Star Trek composer, George Dooning, and off the back of it he got Return to Tomorrow when he did The Empath as well. I think I've mentioned George yeah. Dooning in mm. previous episodes. And The Children Shall Lead as well. Yeah. And The Children yeah. Shall Lead, which is not a great example. Well, well, that's not George <laughs> Dooning's fault that, that that episode is terrible. Uh, but yes, it's a glorious piece of, uh, of music and, and, and enhances the, and adds to the... You know, makes it an, an interesting romantic tale, which you know, I think that that's why people celebrate this episode. It's not just the world building; it's just a little bit off. You know, it's just a little bit off from from what you would normally expect. And it is proper hard sci-fi as well. I mean, I think the concept of the companion as a sci-fi yeah. mm-hmm. is a strong one. You know, yeah. uh, an entity that is bound by a particular location. Uh, and can't exist beyond that has, but otherwise has huge powers, the power, the power to, to change matter and to rejuvenate people. 
um, and is motivated entirely by love. I mean, that is a that is a beautiful science fiction concept. I love it. I, I think if it was written now, I think you could write the first 20 minutes of it pretty much entirely the same. But it, I think nowadays it would go in a completely different direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, interesting for me, because I watched uh, recently, I watched Interstellar. The oh, uh, yes. Christopher that's Nolan film, great film, film, yeah, uh, which is a lot about the sort of things about like you know early warp drive and things like that, sort of about the the next human development in, in in space travel, and and that goes into some very very sort of hard sci fi um, concepts about when he, uh, you know, all right, spoilers now. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, it's a what ten year old film now. It's a cracking film, yeah. I'm sure yeah. most people have seen yeah. it. Well. So, uh, but in the end, where where he he the 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 traveller comes comes back in time. To, to to send messages to his daughter and this sort of like concept of 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 space time and things turning in on itself and things like that i think now i think if if a if a if a, a proper new wave um writer had got hold of this story they, they would have explored much different areas of this about where what the nature of the relationship to to the companion to to cochrane the fact that they could actually be the same person or why it's Cochrane here, and uh, and how he's still here after he was an old man, but now he's a young man again. And I think you could go into loads and loads of different concepts in here, yeah. but unfortunately they don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because because Cochrane is in many ways he is he is the same person as the. Uh, you could look at it like that if yeah. you wanted to. That they are because Cochrane was a, again he was going to die. Yeah. Any, any minute now he was going to die. Right, <laughs> yeah. kind of, it's a familiar refrain. Because, yeah. But instead of of occupying. His body, they, he, the, the companion rejuvenated him, but it's, mm. uh, it's, 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 and and ultimately, I guess that's probably why it was fitting that Cochrane remains. Maybe deep down, the character understood that his time had come, and in fact, he was a dead man; he was a ghost, mm. and so you know, he chose to then just now live out, you know, the rest of his days being such uh, in what in 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 a in a, in a period of, in happiness and, mm. and undisturbed. I was going to throw one thing into this when I was actually watching this episode, is. I know we'll be saying that. So sort of, this is a this is Gene L. Coon's version of of a uh, new wave, new world science fiction story, but I actually saw it as being a very traditional story. And the first thing I saw when I when I was watching this was the the story of the ghost and Mrs. Moore. I can't say it. The you know the old classic story of the lighthouse with the lady, um, with the the love between the ghost and the um, and the lady who she as she gets older and older, her relationship to him. It was a very famous. I'm not film. familiar with that. I'm not familiar. It I'm became not familiar a TV series during the sixties as well. Oh, how interesting. Mm. Okay. Yeah, and look that up. You know, yeah, the ghost look of, that up. Yeah. The ghost, of, uh, the ghost and Mrs. Moi. I think Could be Moi. 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 Yeah, I think Moi. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> uh, but yeah, we but do. It, <laughs> yeah, but we're, we're going to look that up. But it had a lot of the same feel for me. You know, with the relationship yeah. between the two the two characters, you know, uh, as someone who isn't, you know, uh, corporal to someone who is is alive or there's the famously infamous Sub Rosa episode yes. in, in Next Gen, isn't there, where where, where Beverly has, has 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 relations with a ghost in that uh, funky Scottish place that, that, that Scottish planet. Well, I, <laughs> think, that that, I planet. think that that was actually based on... And I wonder, if, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, there's a, yeah, so it's an interesting, yeah, I hadn't, no, I hadn't, uh, hadn't uh, pegged that at all. Yeah, that's, that's, that's an but, interesting insight. But, you know, obviously a good writer will, will find a very good story and adapt it. Oh, yeah. You know, nothing's, uh, nothing's uh, and, and update it. it, yes, you know. So, so guys, what did you think about the actual 
episode itself? Is it a thumbs up or a sideways or a downer? <laughs> Uh, to say this, I, I wouldn't say this is a bad episode. I'm, I'm, I'm not, not going to say that. It, it, there, is, there is, there is a lot of good in this episode, and it, and it's and it's an enjoyable view if you can get over a few certain things in it. Uh, I, so, if someone was completely new to to, to Star Trek, uh, the original series, I probably wouldn't introduce it. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend this one and say, look, uh, I'd, I'd probably find a few other episodes for them to watch. Um, but if you're on a if if you're on a, a a rewatch throughout the whole the whole series, then then this this won't be one that I'd say oh you know, miss it, miss this one out. I'd say watch this one, miss out Wolf in the Fold, which comes a bit later, and that's that's really where the misogyny kicks in. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, talking about new wave. I mean, like Norman Spinrad's uh, Doomsday Machine. Where get, get watch that one. That's yeah. that's that's a lot of a lot of fun as well. And a mock a mock time as well, which is written by the other new wave guy whose name I can't remember. Or dare I say, who mourns for Adonai, which we have uh, you know yet to do on this. Uh, yeah, or maybe we should do that. Maybe for we should our do that next episode. episode. Yeah, mm. you know, I think that that's uh, that's our homework. I think Metamorphosis is a strong episode uh, with its heart in the right place. It's an attempt to to convey, I think, progressive sexual values onto a, a very, very tough audience. Um, and, and I think that it partially succeeds in doing so in 1967. But I fear that event that the that, that, that discourse and how we understand and talk about these matters has moved on sufficiently to rather date the episode. And I think that the treatment of the principal female character is pretty shoddy and difficult to see past mm. uh, through through modern eyes. And for that reason, again, I wouldn't, I'm like Graham, I wouldn't recommend this to someone who is new to TOS, uh, to be honest with you, and certainly not to anyone who is new to Star Trek. I would recommend Picard to anyone who is new to Star Trek <laughs> because that's cracking Star Trek. Um, but, uh, but, but, but nevertheless, I mean, uh, for people who enjoy and celebrate these episodes, they should continue to do so because its heart is most definitely in the right place. And it's beautifully shot. It's beautifully mm. produced. The remaster comes out really well. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah. I mean, like, it's top, top. I mean, Jerry Finneman was the director of the cinematographer for all of these, more, or certainly the first two. And, and it's classic Jerry Finneman. And your man, Solensky, does an excellent mm. job. And there's lighting some, in it. The, yeah. Superb. Absolutely, absolutely superb. It's a really watchable, beautifully placed episode of Star Trek. And it's one of the better mm. ones. And the uh, remastering is, is really sympathetically done as well. Yeah. Um, there, there, there's a lot of the a lot of the the, the re uh, shots of uh, like the, the the look of the planet and the and the look of the uh, shuttlecraft and and the Enterprise, but the um, when we see the energy blob in space from the from the shuttlecraft, it's pretty much the same. It's just it's just been altered just a little bit, but the the general feel of it is is pretty much the same. Mm. So. Yeah, I've just yeah. looking on the Wikipedia page there. The previous, the preceding episode is I Mud. <laughs> so, <laughs> just a bit of a batch going on. There. Well, so it's a step up from I Mud. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely, yeah, definitely, definitely that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but I, I suppose a, a typical second season episode, really. I'd mm-hmm. say, hmm. um, where you 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 can have a stinker and then and then you can have have ones that uh, that aren't. Yeah, well, the next one is Journey to Babel. Yeah, so so know, it's a real classic. roller coaster ride, isn't it? Yeah, really? absolutely. So. There's so much gold in that. I mean, because we haven't done Games as a Triskelion yet, which of no. course is. I mean, you talk about like, you know, talking about love. You know, expl- <laughs> explanations of love. Let me. Show, what is love? <laughs> oh, let me let me show you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Shocking, really. Yes. Shouldn't be allowed. 
Yes. Well, guys, um, I think we should probably come to a close on this. But, um, you know, it was wonderful. Again, my two companions um, to explore Star Trek, the original series. Um, we will be back again, hopefully very soon. And we're going to do uh, Who Mourns Red and A, are we? Yes. Yeah, we'll cool. Yeah. We should do, really. Um, so Fire Apollo. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably going to be really bad as well, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's yeah, awful. It's awful. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, so, right. I'm sorry, sorry, listener, <laughs> that you're going to have to put up with us going through some bad as, as well. There's, there's some good Scotty in it, though. There is some quality Scotty going on yeah. in there. Yeah. 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 But the more I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking, oh, God, no. <laughs> But you know, I mean, like we use the imagery from over that episode in our in our branding, and uh, and it's only fitting that we. I think we have to get to it sooner or later, and it's a loved episode and fondly remembered. So yeah, indeed. Well, again, thank you, dear listener, for joining us um, today on the on a lovely sunny day as well and it's my birthday if I haven't told you (laughs) you know Um, and hopefully you will join us again Uh, so from me Derek goodbye and from Graham goodbye and from Terry goodbye